DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. The Ninth Rule There are three principal causes for which we find ourselves desolate. The first is because we are tepid, slothful, or negligent in our spiritual exercises, and so, through our faults, spiritual consolation withdraws from us. The second, to try us and see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much payment of consolations and increased graces. The third, to give us true recognition and understanding, so that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion, intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolation, but that all is the gift and grace of God our Lord, and so that we may not build a nest in something belonging to another, raising our mind in some pride or vainglory, attributing to ourselves the devotion or the other parts of the spiritual consolation. Rule number nine. This is the big question, Father Gallagher. We love God. He loves us. Why? then would he allow us to go into desolation or experience desolation? It's true, Chris, that if St. Ignatius didn't have this ninth rule in which he addresses that question, we can sense how something pretty fundamental would be lacking in this set of rules. Here is a person who has had a conversion to the Lord or maybe just turned back to the Lord in a deeper way or begun to live the spiritual life more fully, and there's great joy and delight and energy and growth And this person sincerely loves God and knows that God loves him, God loves her. And then something changes, and then the joy is gone, and now there's the desolation that we've been describing, and prayer is empty and difficult and hard, or feels empty. Mm -hmm. Now, why? why would God allow that? This person sincerely loves God. This person is even not simply even going along in fidelity, but rising and growing. Why would a God who loves us allow us to go through the darkness of spiritual desolation? And to make the question all the more poignant, why would he allow us to go through a time that really potentially could harm us, which is what the enemy intends, with the experience of spiritual desolation? I think one way to approach that would be to think of the disciples on Holy Thursday evening. Jesus has told them that he is going to be departing from them. They don't quite understand, but they know that something heavy hangs in the immediate future, some kind of separation from him. And obviously they love him, they don't want that, and their hearts are heavy. And so Jesus says to them, because I have told you that I am departing, your hearts are sad. And then he says, these are powerful words, he says, but I tell you, it is better for you that I go. just want to say that again. I tell you, it is better for you that I go. 
You, know, you can hear spiritual desolation in that time. And then goes on to say, it is better for you that I go because if I do not go, the counselor will not come to you. That is, if I do not ask you and call you to go through the separation and the pain and the darkness of these days of my passion and death, then the work of redemption will not be completed. The Holy Spirit will not be poured out upon the world. The church will not be born. The work of the sacraments and redemption and grace that I have come to bring about in the world, none of this will happen. And so he says to them, it is better for you that I go because if you do go through this temporary separation, an immensely rich work of grace will come into the world. So we can see that what he's trying to do there is to get their minds and hearts off of the focus on the sorrow of the separation and onto the reason for it. Because if they can see the reason why he is calling them to go through this time of heaviness and darkness, it, they will be enormously strengthened to go through it. Now that's what Ignatius is doing in Rule 9. And he's going to tell us that there are three principal reasons. There could be others, but these are the ones he especially wants us to see. For which God may permit a person to go through the trial of spiritual desolation. And in each case, because there is a specific kind of fruit that God wants to give the person as the person faithfully goes through the trial of spiritual desolation. Now the first of these, Ignatius says, is that sometimes God will allow experiences of spiritual desolation because we've been negligent in some way. And through the spiritual desolation, it's kind of a wake-up call. We, we, we see it and we can adjust that piece. Here is a person who loves the Lord and whose life is solidly heading toward God, but may be regressing in one area mm -hmm. of his or her spiritual life. For example, here is a woman who six months ago began spending those 20 minutes each morning with Scripture. It's new. She loves it. She knows the difference it's making in her life. She senses now as she goes through the day that that. She's much more aware of the Lord. Her faith is livelier. She has more patience. The gospel is coming alive. She's taking new steps to live the love the Lord teaches. Then she gets into one of those times. You know how you get those times when everything goes helter-skelter in life. Let's say again, one or several of the children fall ill and hospitals and up at night. And maybe her husband has a special time of pressure at work and overtime and all sorts of strains there as well. Let's add in there that maybe she has some uh, physical struggles at that point. But for a, a time, everything just goes kind of helter-skelter. Those times when you can't, even with the best will in the world, keep your regular schedule of things. All right, eventually those things pass. And the child recovers. Things settle down for her husband. Things get better physically for her. And life gets back on a more even keel. Then one day... She is sitting alone in the kitchen with a cup of coffee just at the table and has a moment of quiet. And it dawns on her, I don't seem to feel the Lord's closeness as much as I used to. And then it clicks that in that maelstrom of activity and helter-skelter and all the rest, those 20 minutes of prayer with scripture each morning kind of went by the board, as they almost had to during that time. But she hasn't picked it up since then. And she immediately resolves, tomorrow I'm starting again. Right, this would be the first reason, Ignatius says, why God may allow experiences of spiritual desolation. If in a life that is growing toward God, even almost unconsciously, areas of some slippage have come into our lives, the experience of spiritual desolation alerts us to those so that we can make the healthy changes and integrate that area once again into the rest of our life, which is heading toward God. St. Ignatius, in his spiritual diary, has a lovely quote in which he says, 
he's in a time of consolation, feels the joy of God's love, and he's looking back at a time very recently when he didn't have that. And he sees clearly that the reason for that was that he has allowed his closeness with God, which has become habitual at this point in his life, to slip at some points in the day, and even in the celebration of the Eucharist. And so he, he writes, So I thought it would be better not to be consoled in the time of my faults. Right, that's exactly what he's mm-hmm. saying in the rule. I thought it would be better not to be consoled in the time of my faults, and that God our Lord orders this. And then in parentheses he writes this lovely phrase, God our Lord orders this, who loves me more than I love myself. And God orders this for my greater spiritual benefit so that I'll pick up even those, what seem to us very small faults, pick those up and I can make the adjustments and return to that that sort of constant communion with the Lord, which has become the way he lives at this point. So the God who loves us more than we love ourselves in times when something may be slipping in our spiritual lives may allow experiences of spiritual desolation so that we'll see it and make the healthy changes. However, the rule doesn't stop there. There are two other reasons, Ignatius says, for which God may allow us to go through experiences of spiritual desolation. And this is important because I suspect, Chris, that if you or I or many of us were asked to write this ninth rule and describe why God allows us to go through those times of heaviness, of spiritual desolation, when we don't feel his closeness, we might easily tend to equate every experience of spiritual desolation with the fact that we've been negligent or at fault. Well, if I'm in this kind of spiritual heaviness, it must be that I failed the Lord in some way. And as you see, Ignatius' rule doesn't end after the first reason. There are two others, which tells us that we may at times be in spiritual desolation, not because we are at fault, but because the God who loves us wants to bring other kinds of fruits into our spiritual lives. And there's a message of great hope in that. Mm-hmm. Well, the next one of these reasons, then Ignatius says, is that God allows this as a trial to try us, because something is seen as we go through this trial. So I kind of try to summarize that by saying there's there's a learning that comes from the trial. We go through the trial so that something is learned. We see something more clearly than we saw it before. We, we've said before that we can look back over our lives and recognize times of spiritual heaviness and darkness and how much we grew through those. Earlier in these conversations, I think this was back rule two, We talked about a woman named Lucia who had had a wonderfully consoled retreat and was now driving home and then everything got turned upside down. Confusion, feeling just spiritually far from God, felt her retreat had been a complete waste of time. She must have a serious problem. Are you sure you weren't talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'd say it's probably about 20 years I've been traveling the country, Mm -hmm. speaking on discernment and teaching these rules. And, you know, I've never yet found a person who has said to me, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right. It is me. It is you. It is assuredly every one of those who is listening to us right now. This is what happens in the spiritual life. And I love Ignatius because this is feet on the ground spirituality. This is the stuff of ordinary spiritual experience, which is why it's so important. Because the peak moments happen occasionally, but not too often in the spiritual life or the key discernments of vocation or things like that, maybe major career changes. But most of the spiritual life is right on this level, driving home in the car and what's happening spiritually. 
as I'm driving home, or the woman with the cup of coffee in the kitchen, or the 41-year-old man driving home from work and wondering about his son's Holy Communion and what that's going to mean. This is where the spiritual life is lived, and it's right there that Ignatius is helping us. So yes, it is you, Chris, but it's me too. Okay, good. As long as I'm on the road with others. It's, it's every one of us, every one of us. We'll return in just a moment to The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts, and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com. Prayers of St. Ignatius of Loyola Anima Christi, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me, and bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee, forever and ever. Amen. Prayer for Generosity Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for reward, save knowing that I am doing your most holy will. Amen. Father Timothy Gallagher of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary is author of several best-selling books, based on the teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living. The Examine Prayer, Ignatian Wisdom for Our Lives Today. Spiritual Consolation, an Ignatian Guide for the Greater Discernment of Spirits. Meditation and Contemplation, an Ignatian Guide to Praying with Scripture. An Ignatian Introduction to Prayer, Scriptural Reflections According to the Spiritual Exercises, and Discerning the Will of God, an Ignatian Guide to Christian Decision-Making. All these books are published by the Crossroad Publishing Company. For more information about books, tapes, and retreat schedule, can be found at fathertimothygallagher.org. That's frtimothygallagher.org. We now return to The Discernment of Spirits, Setting Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. 
The ninth rule. There are three principal causes for which we find ourselves desolate. The first is because we are tepid, slothful, or negligent in our spiritual exercises, and so, through our faults, spiritual consolation withdraws from us. The second, to try us and see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much payment of consolations and increased graces. The third, to give us true recognition and understanding, so that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion, intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolation, but that all is the gift and grace of God our Lord, and so that we may not build a nest in something belonging to another, raising our mind in some pride or vainglory, attributing to ourselves the devotion or the other parts of the spiritual consolation. I have a quote here from one of the early biographies of St. Francis of Assisi. And one of the Franciscan brothers has come and approaches St. Francis. He's in a time of struggle, heaviness, darkness, temptation, and he feels too weak to overcome this. And he knows that St. Francis knows that he's going through this. And so with a very heavy heart, he comes to St. Francis, and maybe with some effort, probably took some effort, he puts all this into words to St. Francis, and he begs St. Francis to pray for him. If you pray for me, I know God will help me with this. Now I'm going to read to you how St. Francis replies to this brother. And this is a beautiful thing, because here we'll see St. Francis of Assisi as a spiritual director, as a spiritual father. Believe me, son, he says, I think you are for that reason, that is, that you're tempted and struggling and feeling the heaviness. I think you are for that reason more truly a servant of God. Jesus says, I tell you, it is better for you that I go. Because if I do not go, the counselor will not come and the rest. And goes on to say, know that the more you are tempted, the more you will be loved by me. The more you are, just know this, I want you to hear this from me, that the more you are tempted, the more you know that I love you. Which is a powerful thing. And, and we can just imagine what it must have meant to this brother to hear this, not just from anyone, but St. Francis of Assisi. What if our hearts could hear, because Francis is just an image of Jesus here. Jesus say to us in the times of spiritual desolation and the struggles with temptations, know that the more you are tempted, the more you will be loved by me. And he goes on to say with a striking image, I tell you in all truth, no one must consider himself a servant of God until he has undergone temptations and tribulations. We're getting an answer as to why a God who loves us will allow such times. Temptation overcome, because the call will always be, be aware, understand, take action to reject it. Temptation overcome, he said, is in a way a ring with which the Lord espouses the soul of his servant to himself, which is a thing of pure spiritual beauty. Wow. Let me just read it again. Temptation overcome, he said. So after I've been through the darkness and I didn't give up my prayer, or maybe was more faithful than I've been in past times, or in any of the struggles we can go through in the spiritual life, temptation overcome, he said, is in a way a ring with which the Lord espouses the soul of his servant to himself. I'm also thinking, as I say this, of reading the spiritual journal of Blessed Pierre Favre, who was one of the first companions of St. Ignatius of Loyola in Paris. He was actually his roommate when St. Fran when St. Ignatius was studying at the University of Paris. And it was a beautiful thing because 
uh, Pierre Favre was teaching Ignatius the, uh, the classical languages, teaching him philosophy and so on. And Ignatius was teaching Pierre Favre about the spiritual life. And in the last two years of his life, Blessed Pierre Favre, who was the kind of priest that everyone loved. You know those priests that no one ever wants them to leave and people beg for them to be transferred to their place. He, he was the kind of person who people would hear him preach just once or meet him just once and the impact would remain for the rest of their lives. He was, he was shy. He suffered a great deal interiorly with, with scruples and discouragement and was eternally grateful to St. Ignatius because it was through St. Ignatius and the kind of teaching that we're going through in these conversations that for the first time he found freedom. He was the first captive who was set free by this teaching. On this particular day, he writes, he says, Our Lord then instructed me in so many ways, giving me remedies against so many bouts of depression which came to me that way through the temptations and scruples that I described. He says, However, I can say that no distress or worry, scruple, hesitation, or fear that I was able to feel to a notable degree ever came to me without my finding at the same time. Now, here's the learning that comes from the trial. Or a few days after, it's true remedy in God our Lord. If God allows the trial and the heaviness, God also shows him, and without much delay, the remedy, the answer, the growth. He would grant me grace to ask, to seek, and knock for that grace. And this remedy included, he says, countless graces to recognize and experience the kind of teaching that, that we're going through, with which I was getting more acquainted from day to day, for the Lord had left in me those goads. The desolations are kind of a, a goad, a stimulus, mm -hmm. to take new steps in the spiritual life, which he says, never let me remain lukewarm. And that's true, too. When we go through those times of desolation, we know that we need something new. We need to grow. We need to be looking at the spiritual life. Desolation really does get our attention in the spiritual life. So these are ways of saying that one of the reasons why God may allow the trial of spiritual desolation is because so many kinds of growth can come through it. As I think I said in our last conversation, as one author says, without desolation, we would remain spiritual children. With desolation, wonderful kind. Desolation discerned, resisted, um, leads to wonderful kinds of growth in our spiritual life. I think I mentioned earlier my own experience of walking along a winter a street on a winter evening with a great heaviness in my heart, walking back to the place where a task awaited me that I felt very inadequate for, and saying to the Lord with pain in my heart, why is this happening? I'm just trying to do the best I can. And that's when that phrase came to me, I have been here before. And all that that phrase has meant for me is it tells me that as God has been faithful in past times of darkness in my life, God is going to be faithful in this time as well. But as I look back at that time now at a distance of some years, I would not want that time back, I'll be honest about it. But as I look back at it at a distance of some years, I can recognize that we probably would not be having this conversation today if it had not been for that dark time in my life because it was so painful that it, it almost compelled me to take a number of steps. I began auditing classes and doing some summer programs to learn more about these spiritual things so that I could do the work that I was called to do. Uh, systematic reading of lives of the saints, and this is where many of these quotations are coming now. As I look back on it, I can see that God gave me a great deal of growth by calling me to go through that dark time. That encourages me in present dark times when they come, as they will inevitably for all of us, to know that God 
is giving growth through this as well, is offering growth if I'm willing to respond in the right way. And finally, Ignatius tells us that sometimes God allows the experience of spiritual desolation so that we will know in the flesh, as it were, that when we are experiencing spiritual consolation, that this is God's work, God's gift, God's grace. He says, so that we'll know that all is gift and grace and not in a kind of a graphic image, not build a nest in something belonging to someone else, but remain humble. And that's important because you know those times when there is a lot of consolation in our spiritual lives, in our lives of faith, maybe months of it. We can almost, without realizing it, begin to feel like we've kind of achieved something in the spiritual life. Almost insensibly, we, we tend to kind of, we wouldn't say it in so many words, but the feeling will be that um, I've reached something, you know, I'm, I know how to pray now. I'm, well, when the experience of spiritual desolation comes and we feel the helplessness to feel God's closeness and the delight now in the time of spiritual desolation, then we really know that all consolation is always God's gift and grace. And that roots us in humility, which is a beautiful thing. It's like Mary, you know, he, her heart is filled with joy because God has looked upon the lowest state of his handmaid and done great things in me. Or as we read in the first letter of Peter, God gives grace to the humble. And that's where some an experience of spiritual desolation can do that. So Ignatius says these are three at least of the reasons why God may allow spiritual desolation as an experience in the lives of those who love him. In responding to our initial question, why does God allow this? So that I'll see if there are areas of negligence, what those areas are, and make the changes that will integrate everything again toward God. Or I may not be at fault in any way, but God will still allow that trial because of the learning and the growth in so many ways that will come. God who loves me more than I love myself. And then sometimes God will allow experiences of spiritual consolation so that we know experiences of spiritual desolation so that we'll know that all consolation is always God's gift. We become humble. You know, the more I try with my imperfect best, but I do try to live these rules in daily life, the more I realize that the more you grow in the life of discernment, the humbler you become. Because you realize how much you miss and how much you need the Lord. That little bit that you see is life-changing. But I think the true sign of a person of discernment will always be a kind of just a rich humility. We love people like this when we meet them. You, you'll always feel that in a person who is sincerely striving to grow in discernment. A beautiful thing to look for in the hearts of those we encounter. It's a great gift. Thank you, Father Gallagher. Thank you. You've been listening to The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our mission. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for 
The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher.